0: Guys, and welcome back to another episode of Illuminati, the podcast where we drink beer and talk about conspiracy theories. My name is John. And this is Jake. And today I am going to tell you another story. Here we go Adolf Hitler was having a bad day. He'd once been riding high with unshakable confidence that the Nazis would never be defeated. But now, Berlin. Was being crushed by the impact of endless Allied bombing raids. Hitler just never thought it was going to go down like this. He'd planned and schemed for more than a decade to get to where he was at. And where had it gotten him? Hiding in a concrete bunker deep under the capital of Germany. He had been convinced that the Nazis would maintain control over the globe, but now He was just not so sure. Luckily, his trusted SS had come up with a plan Z, a final backup plan that would save his ass at the last moment. And it was time for action. Hitler grabbed his body double and quickly shot him in the mouth. And then he shoved a few of his favorite guns and a bunch of drugs into a plain backpack. After changing into civilian clothes and shaving off his trademark mustache, Hitler and crew retreated to a hidden tunnel that emerged at a distant airfield. From there, the Nazis boarded a long-range, unmarked plane that flew due south to freedom. The SS had found something that no other superpower in the world knew existed, a map pinned to the airplane fuselage that showed a giant red X over the South pole. And as Hitler stared out the window at his lost empire receding into the distance, he wondered, could I be happy underground? Can any of us be happy underground? Can, he, can any of us be happy period? Sure. I mean, if you have
1: vitamin D three.
0: Yeah. Some I mean, oxygen. I can, drinking this fancy
1: beer right here. Yeah. But first, you tell me what beer you have. All right. And so this is a Double Barley Brewing Thrilla in Vanilla. And uh, it's done by Smithfield, North Carolina-based Double Barley Brewing. This is a Imperial Porter coming in at a respectable 8%. And uh, the logo of this double barley brewing looks very much like clown shoes, kind of yeah, which we've reviewed. Uh, their artwork does is kind of reminiscent of clown shoes. reminds me of them. On the side it says "Small town big Beer," which is kind of interesting because they are kind of in the middle of nowhere, uh, north of Charlotte, what would you say thirty minutes or so out by what is that lake Norman? Yeah, so they describe thrill and vanilla on the side here as a Smooth, medium-bodied porter brewed with our distinct homemade vanilla extract. Slight sweetness balanced nicely with malt bitterness. Pours in a tanned head and tastes like vanilla whipped cream, which a little bit. Yeah, it does. One of our oldest friends reviewed the business plan. (laughs) So apparently about the brewery. One of our oldest friends reviewed the business plan and had only two suggestions. First, Include finger puppets of ourselves in the business plan, which I don't see illustrated on this bottle very well. And two, rename your vanilla Porter. They took both very seriously and immediately put them into action. Little did we know that brainstorming would lead us to the epic fight in Manila. We love the name Thrilla in Vanilla. And what really cemented it for us was picturing two vanilla beans, duking it out. Trust us. This beer is a knockout. So, yeah, the cover is uh, two guys fighting. They're covered in vanilla, vanilla plants and their gloves are made out of uh, vanilla beans. But can I ask a question?
0: Yeah, of course. You said this double barley is in Smithfield? Yeah. Yeah, Smithfield's not north of Charlotte. Oh, it's not? I thought it was just no. North of Charlotte. It's like 20 minutes southeast of Raleigh, like halfway between here and Goldsboro. Oh, oh okay. I was still Yeah, very, very close. Like if we went out to that brewery that's in
1: Clayton, what is it? They make the
0: Deep truck. River. Yeah, if we went to oh. Deep River, we'd be halfway to to Smithfield.
1: Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So they're down in Johnson County. Yes. Oh. Okay. Fair. Very
0: Johnson County. Yeah. This is some full blown redneck
1: beer. Oh yeah. And and it slaps like full blown redneck beer. <laughs> does it? It slaps. Yeah. <laughs> it's a uh, you know it's a pretty heavy for a porter. It's pretty heavy. Um, it does have uh, a a very strong vanilla taste to it. It's kind of like a vanilla cream soda. If you dumped a Guinness in it, I guess. Okay, something like that. That sounds kind of not good. a bad, not a bad thing at all. Yeah, It smells good. The Thrilla in vanilla. It smells very stouty. It does. Well, yeah. I
0: guess if it's an Imperial Porter, it's probably yeah stout, pretty much a stout. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, that's definitely good.
0: Yeah, it's not metally at all. Like, no, I kind no, of no, expected no. it to be a little
1: metally. Usually, I'm not a fan of porters because they're too thin. This is definitely thicker.
0: It's still kind of it's still kind of thin. A little bit, yeah. You know? Almost but,
1: soda-y, like thick soda.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I can see that. Oh, it's good. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's not bad. I, I feel like another. I could drink that, like, early fall. Yes. Would be a perfect time for this beer. Yes. I, I have not seen anything else from
1: this brewery.
0: Double Barley makes a bunch of stuff. I've seen it around um, yeah. bottle shops and stuff.
1: I I went to pull up their website and it just said that they are building a website that will show their beer and I haven't seen, but I haven't seen like an example of all the stuff they built. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking right now at some of the stuff and I haven't heard of or seen any of this stuff. So,
0: yeah, I feel like I've seen some of their stuff, but it's not as like widespread as stuff yeah. like crank arm, right? Or, you know, stuff like that.
1: For sure. Yeah. But I like it. I mean, I would if I saw something else they did, I would grab it. Yeah. So, I feel that. Fan. They can yeah. be friends of the show. All right. So, uh what are you drinking over there all locked up in your fancy koozie? So,
0: I went with a beer from a brewery I have never seen before. So, this one was a complete shot in the dark. I just saw it and I was like, "Oh, what's that? That's a cool-looking can. I'm going to snag it." Yeah. So, what I have is the Bonus Stage IPA. From Otter Creek Brewing Company in Middlebury, Vermont. That's from, in the middle of nowhere, is it? I, I'm assuming. I mean, uh, it's Vermont. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, Vermont's basically the middle of nowhere. So yeah, but yeah. I mean, this can is very cool. It's a little 12 ounce can. has like a black on top, lime green on bottom kind of thing going on. It basically has what looks like kind of a if Space Invaders were made out of hops, yeah, kind yeah, of thing going 100%. on. Has all these little like hop looking space invader aliens and then a little like pixelated space invader spaceship kind of thing going on. It says bonus stage and that like eight bit. This whole can is eight bit, yeah. It's, Which, very, it's very space invader, yeah. So it's, it very cool. it's very I like cool, it. and um, yeah, it says bonus stage IPA on pixelated stuff. There's a little thing that says push start, and then next to it, it says next level New England, nice IPA. And it says, crack open a can of our next level New England IPA and let your taste buds conquer the layers of citrus and tropical fruit hop flavors, Otter Creek Brewing Company. It is 6.7% ABV, 12-ounce can. Respectable. Uh, Creatively crafting brews since 1991. Okay. And um, yeah, I mean... I would not say that I specifically get a bunch of citrus off of this beer. I would say I do get a lot of more heavier tropical fruits, right? Like I feel I felt like I was getting some kind of some kind of peach kind of like mystery jam on it. Yeah, that really. And I kind of wish that they had said more what the fruit flavors were because I drank it and I was like, oh, not really any citrus, right? But I'm like, but what is it? What is this smell? It has this very, like, not bad. I just can't really identify what the scent is. Yeah. That's kind of coming off of it. And I can't really identify the flavor either. Because I'm like, is it peach? Is it pineapple? Is it guava? Is it star fruit? It's like street just, fruit. Yeah. I just don't really know. But it definitely has this kind of juicy-ish, tropical fruity-ishness to it. But and it's a very unlike other juicy or hazy right. tropical type IPAs. It has this very distinct kind of flavor that I can't really place to it. But I find it very drinkable. It's it's nice. You know, it has a a tad bit of stink to it. Not really citrusy, so it's not really big on the juicy. I don't really find it as being a very New England style IPA flavor wise. I would expect more citrus. It's not mm-hmm. syrupy. Nah. No. I mean. Maybe a tad bit. Yeah. It's a lot more of a heavy fruit tropical IPA, I would say, than New England. Yeah. But I mean, I like it. I I drink it again. And it's fun. I like the can. The can's fun. And uh, yeah, I don't know anything about this brewery, but.
1: I looked up the. I I just Googled the town and they have a Henry Sheldon Museum there. And I have no idea who Henry Sheldon is. So I looked it up. Apparently, he was the tax collector in that town. Cool. And he opened a museum. So it's a museum cool. to a guy who was a tax collector and opened a museum. So it's that kind of town. Did he get shot? Cause I don't think that so. That
0: sounds like a tax collector thing to me.
1: I think he just got old. Okay. Yeah. All
0: right. Well, I mean, that's it for this. I want to hear about what's going on with Hitler.
1: <laughs> sure. So,
0: so what's up with that?
1: So Hitler was plane bound to Hollow Earth. Uh, hollow Earth. What do you, what do you know about Hollow Earth? I
0: essentially only know what I know from the Godzilla, the Kong versus Godzilla movie. Okay. I haven't seen it. Do they go into hollow earth? Yeah. That's the whole theory behind that whole movie is that the earth is hollow and that's where Godzilla and the other super monsters come from.
1: Wait. So they live in the hollow earth and then they come up to earth, earth. Yes. And then they fight. Yes. Why don't they fight in hollow earth? I don't know. Whatever.
0: That's where the giant monsters live, but people can't get down there because there's some sort of gravity vortex that prevents you from getting down there. Makes sense. I'm sure Hitler experienced the same thing. Probably. So <laughs> They needed their super technologically advanced flying.
1: Oh, did they get Earth, down there? Space, yeah. Mm-hmm. In the movie, oh, okay. they do get down there. That spoiler, movie is just so, si- so silly. All right. Let's get back to Nazis. Yes. That's what so I want to know about is the Nazis. I have, I have heard you are a big fan of Nazis.
0: <laughs> not in no I mean <laughs> yes and no just like we said in the previous Nazi episode the Nazi bell episode which you, you haven't go that check that go check that one out it's very goofy and fun I do not support Nazis oh oh. Okay. I like talking about Nazis because they're so crazy Oh, and I think I misunderstood believe, oh, get <laughs> the fuck out of here dude you know exactly where I you're goading me I don't like it um <laughs> No, I like talking about Nazis because they've become this big pop culture thing through movies and video games, I like the history of it. I've studied a lot of World War II stuff. I wrote, sure. I wrote this huge like 40-page paper about oh. um, World War II um, when know. I was in college and stuff. Yeah, I wrote it all about the Battle of the Bulge and then oh. Nazis and all this stuff. I'd read that. It, it was... Send it to me. i yeah, uh, I have it somewhere. And... Um, yeah, I mean, I love the history of it. I love watching movies about it. I was, like seeing us win and the right. Nazis lose. But part of what is very interesting about the Nazis is all just the goofy, weird, paranormal shit that they were yeah. into. And I like yeah. talking about that because it's so interesting. You know it what I is mean? weird stuff. It's like yeah. they're the perfect villain just because right. they're so crazy. They did horrible things. And but on the side, they were over here like Yo, what's up? You want to try some <laughs> cold shit?
1: Yeah, I mean, they were they were going and digging up Nostradamus books and reading, you know, predictions, and they were summoning Hellboy and yeah, trying they, to do time travel
0: and making yeah, super soldiers and all crashing shit. bells
1: in Pittsburgh and you know yeah, all that yeah. pretty much every ancient civilization shares a handful of histories and concepts. And one would be something like the great flood. So basically Sumerians, ancient Greeks, they all have these ideas that there was a great, a great flood. A lot of them share that. Yeah. Probably because there really was a great flood back in the day. Well, chances are there's
0: just like a really bad tsunami one year.
1: Yeah. Something like that.
0: Yeah. Or hurricane, or, but I mean, you know, yeah. whatever. Anyways, what it could have, could have been, well, or the could great have been some Noah's Ark shit. But who knows? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, I mean, for
1: for something like Noah's Ark, the Great Flood was a flood that happened in the like Euphrates area, and so the people restricted to that space saw it as this huge flood that happened, and it was the end of the world. But it was just really affecting that little area, right? Because you know, it's like zero AD, you know. So yes. So, anyways. Uh, they have this idea of the great flood. A lot of them have the idea of a physical place called heaven. And then they have an idea of there being something tangible inside the earth, possibly a whole civilization. Sometimes it's called hell. Sometimes it's just a space where things and people exist. And sometimes it's where our ancient civilizations emerged from. So people, a lot, a lot of people think that our past ancestors crawled up out of caves, just instead of, you know, um, amoeba to fish to whatever, to whatever, to whatever, to monkey to person, like instead of like this chain of events, yeah, they think we just kind of crawled full formed as human beings out of a cave, so
0: aliens died. implanted us inside of the giant earth that they created with their terraforming alien machines. and at some point, we just emerged from the underground,
1: probably, okay, yeah. I mean, it's that's basically. I think that's the world of the worlds theory, isn't it? Is that the ships from more of the worlds were actually put underground a million years ago. And then at the moment that war of the worlds, the movie started when they all the just came up started, out of the ground. Well, yeah, all they did was they shot the pilots down into the, into the things and then they came up. Yeah. You know, Cause they were already down there. Yeah. They laid the tech in advance. Right. Yeah. So ancient Greeks believed that there were caverns under the earth occupied by an ancient god called Zalmoxus, who is always pictured with a big ass axe. So he uh, he's kind of the origin story for dwarves from Dungeons and Dragons. And I'm all surprised that. he didn't have a big ass shovel. Well, I mean, if an he was axe, underground. Shovel. Turn an axe sideways, you can shovel with it. Do you mean
0: like an axe, like a Viking axe, or do you mean an axe? It was like, like a straight a, like like battle a pickaxe. axe.
1: No, it was like a battle axe. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. Um, that's what he was usually pictured with. It doesn't seem logical. Maybe not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in Ireland, they had a thing called the gate to hell, which is exactly what it sounds like. That's where Hellboy came from. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, in Hindu mythology, the underworld is called Patala and is a place of demons, but also where their ancestors, again, where their ancestors emerged from. And so on and so on. So pretty much every major religion or tribe has an underground story that involves it either being demons or where we came from. In literature, we have uh, Dante who in his Inferno described a huge underground complex that was created when Lucifer fell from heaven. So he fell out of the sky, crashed into the earth, created this massive cone, and the whole story takes place within that massive cone, descending into the different layers of hell, levels of hell. Other notable early examples include Giacomo Casanova 1788, uh, it's a Cimarron. It's a a five volume 1800 page story about a brother and sister who fall into the earth and discover the subterranean utopia of mega micers, which is a race of multicolored hermaphroditic dwarves. What? Yeah. I mean, it's an 1800 page book about hermaphrodite dwarves. Okay. I don't know. It's, I mean, I'm probably were, never going to read that. Probably. I mean, you were in Dungeons. Isn't that what Dungeons and Dragons is? no oh slightly different no that's demon <laughs> satan
0: shit oh okay mind. Right. I, I got what, those mixed up in the 80s that's what the 70s house moms said
1: <laughs> could you imagine how, how boring a book from 1788 is that's 1800 pages about a brother and sister's journey into a race of multicolored dwarves um <laughs> it's probably not as good as lord of the rings <laughs> i'm just throwing that out there <laughs> yeah i mean i can't imagine it is. There's another one called Vril, which was published anonymously in 1819 and was a huge hit in Germany. And then Edgar Allan Poe's 1838 novel, The Narrative of of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket. That was an underground story. Jules Verne's 1864 novel, Journey to the Center of Earth, which showed a subterranean world teeming with prehistoric life. Uh, George Sand wrote a novel called Laura Voyage Dans le Cristal, where... This woman named Laura, big shock, went underground and found these giant crystals. And then there was a book called The Smoky God written in 1908 uh, that included the idea that the North Pole was an entrance to the hollow planet. So the main one I mentioned up there was one called Vril, V-R-I-L, which was published pretty extensively through Northern Europe. And uh, it was written by an anonymous person in 1819. And that was the one that as growing up really caught Hitler's attention. So he started reading this because the book is essentially about a group of quote unquote Aryans who emerged from underground and created this gigantic um, species movement of people who took over the planet. Do you know what it means that it was published anonymously?
0: No, it was written by a woman.
1: Oh, back then? Probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, 1800s.
0: Yeah, not not joking.
1: Yeah, yeah. that's probably what that means. <laughs> and nowadays <laughs> uh, nowadays when you go on like Kindle Unlimited or whatever, when they have like weird pen names, it's usually it's written by a guy because like romance novels and erotica novels, it's like written by P. Johnson and it's obviously a dude. It's Stephen King. Yeah, probably. Just <laughs> getting in those extra bucks. So it's weird to say this again after we've talked about it a couple times, but the Vril novel was this thing that really kind of pulled together a certain kind of class of people and they got really excited about it and it's almost again like a QAnon kind of thing where it was written, it was something they really wanted to hear and so they all gathered behind it and started clapping their hands and they were stoked about it and um, they, they formed a society called the Vril Society, you know, super creative. The Vril Society was a secretive group of women that claim to have kept their, I guess, published anonymously. There you go. Sure, yeah. So a secretive group of women that claim to have kept their hair long in order to act as a telepathic antenna to communicate with aliens.
0: Wait. So you're telling me that if you have long hair, you have telepathy? I don't know if you have telepathy, but you can communicate with aliens. Okay. I definitely cannot communicate with aliens. No, you're hosed. Yes.
1: But, you know, it's... You have other charming things about your personality. What I don't have on my head, I have on my face. There you go. (laughs) So if you grow your beard long enough. Maybe. But you're not a woman. The society was made up of
0: women. Okay, okay, okay. You have to,
1: okay. I see. Long hair, don't care. Long hair must care, I guess, for this. Messy bun, getting things done. There you go. That's right. Uh, They also believe that they came from an ancient Aryan race and that the new world order was unavoidable and about to happen. Hitler loved the shit out of these ideas. He was like extra giddy thinking all the time about these aliens and long-haired ladies just pushing him into being the biggest power in the world. He just wants long-haired ladies to come... Well, yeah, they're like, I feel like
0: he's got the biggest power in the I don't know where I was going with that.
1: I mean, you were going to the right spot. These were were (laughs) long haired, super pale ladies who were telepathic talking to aliens. And he was all about this.
0: He wants that big long haired room Hilda to come.
1: Yeah. Show him the power. Yeah. So the Vril society revealed to Hitler, the idea that there was a subterranean matriarchy, meaning there was this underground, class of people completely ruled by women, mostly women, and it was a socialist utopia that was ruled by the superior beings who mastered mysterious energies known as the Vril Force. Vril Force. They also all happen to be Aryans. Okay. Obviously. Yeah. White dudes. Obviously. Because nothing says underground like white dudes. The uh, The belief is essentially that the Vril Society, along with this alien race called the Verlllinians, shocking name, helped the Nazi party develop their flying saucer. This was done by telepathically communicating with the aliens and then writing down all the plans on how to build the UFO. So these super telepathic ladies all got in a room. I'm gonna assume they got naked, sat uh, Indian style, flowed out all their super long hair, and then they talked to the virilians who were, uh, you know, 60 light years away and said show us how to build a ufo and then they took a pencil and wrote all of that down on two sheets of paper and gave that to hitler that's all it'd take two sheets of paper Uh, you know it's blueprints you just figure out the little details later i mean how detailed could an alien ufo be from 60 light years away I mean, pretty fucking detailed I would think. <laughs> it's like can you fit a breakdown of a mod, like a carburetor from a 1980 Camaro on two sheets of paper? L- let me put it like
0: this. Before I sold my Jeep, I had a Haynes manual for that thing. <laughs> yeah. This is a fucking Jeep. Right. It was like 400 pages. Yeah, printed. Yeah. And that was every Jeep from 1981 to
1: 2018. I have the Haynes manual for my Miata sitting on my passenger seat right now. Yeah. It is three fingers thick. Yeah. It is for the 1997 to 2003 Miata. This is a convertible car with one engine available and nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a lot to a Miata. No, there's not. There's definitely not. And so a UFO on two sheets of paper is I'm suspicious. Yeah. But anyways, it, uh, it all started in 1919 uh, when Maria Orsik, the head of the Vril, long-haired Aryan lady, traveled to a rented hunting lodge in Berchtenskaden, Germany, to meet with the leading members of the Thule Society. Have you heard of the Thule Society? No. What's that? Uh, so the Thule Society was made up of, and you might recognize a couple of these names. Okay. Adolf Hitler, Heinrich Imler, Alfred Rosenberg, and Hermann Göring. That's a bunch of Nazis. That is a bunch of Nazi piece of shits. Those were like all the head SS guys. So all the head Nazi pieces of crap met with this lady who had super long hair and she offered them up these pieces of paper. During this meeting she brought these uh, documents containing the cryptic transcripts that she came that she claimed came from the solar system called Aldebaran which does sound a lot like Alderan Alderan but is a real thing it's okay. uh it's located 68 light years away from earth and Aldebaran is famous for being the reason we know that the universe moves in cycles called proper notion, essentially why we know the universe spins the same way the earth spins and all that stuff. Do we, do we know that? Yeah, we know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Universe moves in gigantic like orbits the same way that regular planets move in orbits and all that stuff. Okay. Yeah. And the reason we know that is because we looked at this planet in the 1700s and we noticed that it moved a little bit over. And then we looked at it again a year later and moved that it realized that it moved a little bit over in a different way. And so we were able to map how it moves and came up with a theory of proper motion, which is what the entire universe does. Word. Basically, yeah. Okay. So anyways, surprisingly, these super advanced beings had written out these cryptic instructions on how to build a Nazi UFO and Hitler wanted his hands on them. So they made a deal. They merged societies and learned all of each other's deepest, darkest secrets. So the Vril Society and the Thule Society were joined at the hips Hydra. Exactly. and yeah. he, And they discovered the biggest secrets of all time in the biggest universe for each other. What? Okay. So first, Hitler learned all about the underground societies in the hollow earth, and he got the plans for his UFO. So that's what he got out of it. Nice. And the Vril Society, they learned that Hitler had a gun, and he was going to shoot him in the fucking face if they didn't do exactly what he wanted. Really? Yeah, that's that was the gist <laughs> of the whole thing. So these long hair ladies were like, hey, here's the plans for UFO and he was like, I'll kill you if you do anything weird. Oh my God. Yeah, so that was that. So his underlings have been scouring the earth for as many magic wands, crystal balls and super serums that he could cram into the third Reich so that they could rule for a thousand years. But for him, the inner hollow earth and all this stuff in the Nazi UFO was the real deal. This was the uh, the big enchilada.
0: Let me ask this question. Yeah. How fucked up do you have to be when murdering 6 million people is not the big enchilada? <laughs> <laughs> and journeying to the center of the earth in hollow earth underground tunnel shit and Nazi and building a UFO is the the thing.
1: Well, that's interesting cuz it's like is was the holocaust like a big plan for domination was that a thing or was it just something he had to do along the way you know in in his mind i don't mean like the realities of it like where did that fit in his to-do list you know yeah i don't really know it is really messed up yes and so you know, he was out there look, talking, not talking, but reading Nostradamus, looking for magic wands, basically looking for Harry Potter shit. And then meanwhile, the SS was like literally rounding people up and gassing them. Right. So I just don't
0: understand how they connect.
1: You know what I mean? I don't think they do. I don't think there's a connection there. I think it's basically, well, I think the connection is, He was looking for this secret sauce of the universe that involved this Aryan Superman. Yeah. And six million Jewish people happened to be in the way of that.
0: Yeah. And they muddied the
1: water or whatever his analogy was.
0: It depends on what you think the main goal was. Was the main goal establishing a global Aryan race on the surface? Right. Or was the main goal doing Nazi occult shit? Right because one of those is the main thing and the other one is either a smokescreen or
1: the side project. I I kind of disagree. I think no? I think he had the main goal of he wanted to establish a reich that ruled for a thousand years, right? And I think the searching out the mystical stuff was his weird idea of getting a upper hand on everyone else.
0: Right, so creating the Reich, the
1: global Aryan race was the
0: main goal and then doing this occult shit was like his side project.
1: Or it was a thing that he saw would allow him to finish his main goal.
0: You know, think about it this way. Okay,
1: okay, I'm I'm picking up what you're putting down now, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, like if you're going to build a house and you can choose between a hammer or you can choose between a magical hammer that's going to make... nails hit twice as hard you want to find them you would spend like an extra hour looking for that magical hammer because you knew it would help you win faster like a nail gun (laughs) right exactly (laughs) i mean yeah that's actually a really good example is like if in 1940 all they had were hammers you have a
0: hand drill or you can look for an impact drill
1: right like and if you knew there was a dewalt 20 volt impact wrench sitting somewhere in the universe looking for that for an hour or two is beneficial because once you get it, it's going to help you a lot. Right. I feel like these are terrible analogies. They really are given what we're talking about. They are, but it's like what we have in the garage in front of us. Yeah. I mean,
0: and okay. So if the goal was the perfect race or whatever, and he felt like he needed to do the whole Holocaust thing as part of that. Right. Right this was also just as important a part because yeah, it was going I to so. enable the end goal.
1: Yeah, because if he found some mystical device that could instantly kill all people in the United States, sure, then he was instantly dominant on the planet and that was right. goal achieved. He was good, you know, like
0: nukes that they did not have
1: uh, essentially. I mean, which they were all struggling to create, you know, right. Um, so, through searching for all that stuff, once he got his hands on these real documents, and I mean, for him, the idea of finding this Nazi UFO was the same as finding a nuclear missile. Yeah. You know, if you could find a plane that could instantly materialize, shoot around, appear there, appear there, and do really dirty work, then that's as good as having a nuclear missile, you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So now that he had these things in his hands, he felt that he had real momentum and he knew that the inside of the earth was teeming with these hyper advanced Aryan supermen. And he knew that these guys, because he was on the side of hyper advanced super Aryans were going to help him conquer the upper planet. And that's what he wanted. Okay. You know? And so he had these big plans and he put them into action and went down and started looking for hollow earth Aryan dudes. Um, So, modern day let's jump forward a little bit to 2020 modern day hollow earth believers, which there's actually a surprisingly large amount of cause you know, there's also modern day flat earth believers. I don't feel like it's surprising at all. Yeah. I mean, honestly at shouldn't. this point. Yeah. Um, they're positive that the hollow earth is a tropical paradise packed full of highly advanced races of aliens, humans, and giants. They believe that uh, there's a lot of lost descendants throughout time down there. So, all of the people from Atlantis, the people from the lost ten tribes of Israel, Lemurians, they believe these people are all just kind of like down there partying like it's like weekend of Bernie's or something. They're all hanging out, you know, and uh, that not only are they down there just kind of partying and hanging out, but they also believe that they're all down there just hanging on to these crazy futuristic advanced technologies like UFOs, nuclear missiles, laser guns, all this stuff. And the thought is the first person to get down there gets access to all this stuff. You know, that seems like bad logic. It really does. Cause I mean, think about it this way. If you're, if you're Cuban and you know, guys in Florida have better face razors than you have, and you go from Cuba to South Florida do you think suddenly because they have better face raisers, they're going to join your entire Cuban diaspora of communism and give you their face raisers just because they have better face raisers? Right. This is a bad example. I feel like it's a bad example.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a crappy example. All right. It, it's more like if you are the infi... Because what we're kind of assuming here right. is that the society that's on the surface of the planet, Correct. We're is the inferior correct. in knowledge, right. technology, all of this stuff. Okay. And they are assuming that if they can somehow get down there with their shitty grease guns, right, that these people are just going to be like, oh, hey, you came from the surface. Here's nukes. Here's UFOs. Here's yeah. technology stuff. Take some of our super
1: soldiers, go conquer the. Surface, So it would be like hundreds and hundreds of years ago if Native Americans built a boat and went to England and assumed that once they got to England, they would get all of the cannons and firearms and they could use those cannons and firearms to go back to America and fight the other Native American tribes. Yes. That's a better example. That's a way
0: better example. Yeah, I don't know where I
1: was going with the Cuba thing. Yeah, I don't know. That yeah, Cuba know thing that. was weird. Yeah, I was trying not to go nuclear. But then I went for Cuba, and I don't know where it fell apart. Yeah, I don't know. that
0: Because I, I was assuming nukes. As soon as you said Cuba, I was like, are we talking
1: about nukes? Yeah, I was too. And then I was like, oh, I can't talk about nukes. And then, and then I went to face razors. I don't know what happened.
0: Yeah, that was weird.
1: But yeah, so Native Americans going to England, getting big wooden ships with cannons and guns. Yeah. Yeah. Just do
0: the opposite. Inferior society, going to the more advanced society, and expecting the advanced society to just hand over tech. That's not how that works unless we're talking about humanitarian effort, in which case that is how that works. But this is not that this is murdering people.
1: Right? Yeah. I can't imagine any situation where they'd be like, Hey, yeah, here, here's all of our guns and nuclear weapons. And right, stuff. they might be like, here's a cancer cure. Maybe like, or maybe they would be like, here's cancer. Maybe because like, why are you showing up at my house? Like I don't like when my neighbors come over. <laughs> I just got a text from my neighbor asking if I have a shop back. I don't have a shop back. You know, Even like, if I had a
0: shop back, I'm not going to lend it to you.
1: I know I have my own shop back. I don't need his shop back. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, that's a, that's the case. Like it's really crazy. I don't know why they assume that these people would help them. So, but one of the most popular pieces of modern evidence for hollow earth is a journal entry written by Admiral Richard Byrd who is actually the first person to fly over the North and South Poles. Bird's secret journal. There was quotes around secret. secret. Yeah. I don't okay. know why it's secret. I mean, it's like a military document from 1947 included a report of flying into one of the pole holes, pole holes, pole holes, pole holes. I don't know why they say it that way. I don't know, but it's nice to, it's fun to say. Pole. It's a weird thing to say. Yeah. Cause the holes are at the North and South. Poles, right? Yeah, yeah. The no, pole, I mean, I get it. Poles. Pole <laughs> <laughs> so Bird talked about coming in, and after he flew into the pole hole, uh, he says he made contact with this race that lives inside the Earth. And while Bird wasn't the first to go inside the hollow Earth, uh, he was the first to really write about it. At least the time frame, assuming that other people were actually going into the hollow Earth. I'm not saying they did. Sure. So he said he flew in there, made contact, had a chit chat. Uh, claims he, you know, he didn't get any special weaponry or anything. But also, this is, uh, you know, 1947, so maybe they detected the World War II is winding down, and they didn't bother. But uh, he didn't appear to be the first guy. Earlier in the 1930s, Hitler sent the Schwabenland, which was a really big boat, to Antarctica to begin building his icy villain layer down there. Like he had all these plans. He was going to build this big spot and he believed it was necessary straight up believed it was necessary to control the mouth of the inner earth. So the Schwabenland was this kind of aircraft carrier size boat, Nazi boat, probably had swastikas all over it. Sure. I mean, as they do and uh, it would send out planes and it was one of those ones that had the catapult launches. Okay. That's yeah. kind of early to have catapults, but yeah. All right. So they would cool. just like Blop, like shoot these planes out okay and they would go fly around antarctica um, and kind of like you know get the lay of the land figure out everything that's going in there and so we don't know a lot about what they were doing there but we do know they set up a couple bases and they did kind of establish some footprints there because yeah. at the same time american and british forces scrambled onto the other side of antarctica and straight up said that the reason they were doing that was to kind of keep an eye on the nazis and so they were laying low on the opposite side of Antarctica, which is still a thousand miles away. Right. I'm like, know? how are you keeping an eye on the Nazis? Like a thousand if you're miles away. Yeah, that, yeah, that so makes they, a lot of sense. They were probably flying some planes, keeping low, you know, whatever you can do in Antarctica because yeah. the weather's crazy. So they they just kind of laid low and then eventually Hitler either got bored or flooded into the hollow earth and abandoned everything. And the Americans went back and checked out all of those Uh, abandoned bases and stuff after that there was basically a total and complete media blackout on Antarctica we didn't hear a single word out of like Nazi bases American bases British bases basically anything that had to do with that stuff was kept under a tight lid until around 2016 so lots and lots of years yeah and in 2016 we found out three really crazy things okay hit me I'm ready all right, here they go. I'm not ready, but hit me anyway. <laughs> so first in February of 2016, a screenshot from Google Earth began circulating on the internet. It looked exactly like the group of the great pyramids in Egypt, except these were considered to be Nazi pyramids that were built in Antarctica. So is this group of pyramids kind of stationed the same way the great pyramids in Egypt are at Khufu? Yeah, yeah. And they um, they were kind of set the same distance apart and the, it was a low angle. So you could see the sun cutting across. So you could see the shadows. These were straight up pyramids. You know, are we sure these were in the Nazi pyramids and not already there pyramids? I mean, I would assume they're Nazi pyramids. Who else is going to be build pyramids down there? aliens, but they're same thing Nazi or hollow world. earth people. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Yeah, that's their like launching pad or something, but One of the things that has happened in the past was Hitler showed incredible uh, interest in pyramids and how they worked and what happened with them and all that stuff. So this was near where they were setting up bases and this was near where all these different things were happening. But a couple people started looking at them and looking at older photos and then people started bouncing around the idea that these pyramids may have actually been there for around 100 million years. So I'm saying, dude. Yeah, so you might be right. (laughs) I know. See, I know shit, but it could also be the whole Egyptian thing where you walk in and you're like, Oh, this is my pyramid. I made this. Yeah. So anyways, number two, around that same time, us explorers uncovered a legitimate Nazi base on Antarctica. It was a base used for climate research and more strangely deep listening into the interior of Antarctica. It had like these deep range microphones set up to listen across the ice sheet Uh, the base appeared to be abandoned after the nazis had already lost world war ii so they think that there might have been people in there afterwards okay third there's this uh, team of ufologists on uh, on youtube called secure team Ten that discovered what looked a lot like a nazi ufo crash site in antarctica they showed tons of images of the spot and even showed nearby images of canyons that looked like they could have cave entrances where UFO shaped objects would be able to fly in and out. While these are all super interesting, let's go through these discoveries one by one because they've been subject of hundreds of YouTube videos and podcasts and I watched way too many of them last week. Okay. First, the uh, the 100 million year old Nazi pyramids. So obviously first, they're probably not Nazi pyramids if they are 100 million year old Nazi pyramids. Sure. Because one, there weren't humans 100 million years ago. Let alone Nazis. You're right. But we do know that Nazis had time travel technology. Could be Nazi aliens Uh, or Nazi bell people going back. I don't know. Maybe. Whatever. They went into the future, got
0: some tech, went into the past, built the pyramids. Now they have bases. Didn't tell Hitler that they were
1: there or how to use them. It's possible. So this is also a lot like the pyramids on Mars where it's probably something very large that is out of place or a coincidence. There's also these things called nanutuks in uh, Antarctica, which are these jagged mountainous rock croppings that come up through glaciers. And when you look at a lot of them over and over again, they look a lot like pyramids. Okay. Because it's just kind of this pointy rock that comes up and the sun hits it and it just basically looks like a pyramid from the shadow. But it's not. I mean, they kind of look like pyramids. Okay. I mean, they're pointy four sided. Okay. So it's, it is one way to kind of explain that off. Like it seems pretty realistic and also the size of them. They were massive. They were like four miles across. Okay. That's so four big. mile across pyramids. Pretty big. That's pretty big. Yeah, it's fairly large. So number two, the Nazi base that they found with the deep listening is actually a hundred percent legitimate, but it does seem to have probably been abandoned during World War two because later when uh, Americans went in there, they found a journal. And they were flipping through some of the entries in the journal, and it looks like they had to abandon the uh, deep listening post because that a uh, couple of people there ate spoiled meat. Oh, no, no. Yeah, as Nazis do, I guess, but I guess in Antarctica, something like that can really mess you up because you're in the middle of nowhere. If something happens, you're going to die, you right? Know? You got to so, dip. Yeah. So they think maybe the post-World War II were other countries kind of snooping around looking at stuff on all of those things. But the weird thing about that is that they were hosting these kind of like deep listening microphones into the middle of the Antarctica and like who knows what that was for. You know? Yeah. I mean, clearly for listening to Hall Worth, but so then third, the Nazi UFO crash, uh, you know, things crash literally all the time. Look at Roswell, nine eleven, you know, planes crash, UFOs crash. We have evidence of all these things. Uh, but while this does look like a crash site for sure, when you look at the images that uh, Secure Team Ten posted, when you look at it in context, if you back out, the actual crash site is a hundred and fifty miles across. So while it looks like uh, you know those scenes you saw in um after nine eleven where the plane crashed in Pennsylvania and it was like this long ditch. Yeah. It looks like that. But when you actually measure it on what the landscape is, it's 150 miles across. Something was moving fast as fuck. Or it was, I mean, or it would have to be massive, like bigger than the independence day things. Yeah. You know, so they, they tracked back and they looked at it. and, And a lot of people currently think that it was probably just a giant meteor that crashed there, you know, it would have to be a massive meteor, like something like the size of what killed the dinosaurs. Yeah. Um, and Antarctica wasn't always, you know, ice. It, it was at one point it was like lush jungles and stuff. So like, it's hard to know what was actually going on there. The indisputable evidence that you find online, it, it kind of comes off as a little bit thin overall, but then you ask yourself, why doesn't someone just go there and check it out? Which is the same kind of question we had during the flat earth episode you have a peek into the hollow abyss and wonder what it is. And so like flat earth who had, uh, there was a couple people who decided they were going to rent boats and go do this stuff. There was a guy with the hollow earth stuff named Rodney Clough and he's currently the leading proponent of the whole Nazis in the middle of the earth theory. And he tried to put his money where his tinfoil hat was and got a boat and went down there. Uh, But it was a huge bust He put together the, quote, North Pole Inner Earth Expedition Group in 2010, but the group had numerous setbacks. Once they finally got down into the area, folks started backing out of the expedition left to right, and there were several people who had very unfortunate accidents, and there were two people who uh, suddenly discovered they had rare cancers, and then there was a rare, uh, not a rare, but then there was a fatal plane crash. The trip was basically something like the mummy's curse. Everybody that got involved with it started getting sick. Uh, if the trip did happen, what Cliff said was going to happen was he was going to get a uh, the world's largest icebreaking ship, which he had started asking questions about and starting to, to talk about renting, and the goal was to get this icebreaking ship and run straight to the North Pole. Once there, they'd have basically poked their heads underground to say hey to Hitler and uh, who would probably be still alive down there maybe I guess because of the special weather but Clough was at a loss. He told everyone he knew that all of those setbacks were the result of this huge multinational banking conspiracy from the Rothschilds designed to hide the truth of the hollow earth for some reason. I've got an entirely different theory on this though. I think Clough did actually put together his crack team and I think he got way further than he would ever share with anyone. I think Clough got his icebreaker and pushed deep into the frozen wastelands around the North Pole. But what greeted him wasn't ancient Aryan Ubermen. I think what he ran into was NASA super soldiers and they shut down his whole inner earth bullshit real quick and told him to get the hell off their flat earth ice wall before they blasted him with their super soldier lasers.
0: All right. All right. <laughs> I can get behind that. I, I've had another thought that okay. I thought was kind of interesting. All right. So I think what these pyramids are in Antarctica, they're just outcroppings of the hidden underneath of Antarctica, futuristic Nazi time traveling mothership.
1: Okay. It's like the, like the peaks of the ship are coming up out of the ice or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I can see that. So
0: Antarctica is just where all the ice has formed around the giant mothership. Oh, like Antarctica is the ship. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that's how you see these big crash sites. It's like these giant sub-motherships, baby ships. Trying to get back in? Trying to get back in like a crash. Oh, Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, and where these like caves are, that's like the portions of the mothership where the little tiny drone.
1: Oh, the little fighter guys.
0: Yeah, the little fighter. Uh, that's how they get it out. Just, yeah.
1: Yeah, so where do the uh, NASA super soldiers fit in? They're on the north side. Oh, they yeah, keep the so north. NASA's These guys are in the south. They yeah. keep the north. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm into it. Yeah, I support that. Yeah, Nazis
0: down south with their super mothership time traveling shit. Nazi super soldiers up top.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm into it. Okay. Yeah. I support this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do too. I just came up with it.
1: Yeah, because you can't, you, you know, you shouldn't have to choose between NASA super soldiers and Nazi time traveling inner earth Aryan bots.
0: Yeah, I'm sure they have their own Nazi super soldiers, but not like like the winter soldier, like <laughs> no, like, I mean, like you, the
1: Nazi equivalent of the NASA super soldier. Yeah, you want a special dude on the wall. You know, yeah. you don't want just like some regular up there.
0: Yeah. So if you go down there and they're lit the, the base with the deep listening device. Yeah. That was them trying to like hear what's going on inside the mothership. It makes sense. See if anybody's still alive down there.
1: Yeah. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. See? All
1: right. Makes sense. Yeah. I'm into it.
0: Yeah. I think we got a winner. I agree. (laughs) All right guys. Well, (laughs) Thank you for coming back for another episode of Brew Luminati. Check back next week and we will have another great fun episode for you. Yeah, we'll talk to
1: you guys soon.
2: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Brew Luminati. Our intro and outro music is written by Dungeness. Want to learn more about the topics we cover and who we are? Join us on Facebook and Instagram at Brew Luminati Podcast for behind the scenes content and updates. Do you have mystical powers of insight or just questions, suggestions, and feedback? Reach out to us at thebrewluminati at gmail.com. Are you ready to immerse yourself into the inner circle? Visit patreon.com slash brewluminati podcast. For the same price as a cup of coffee or sandwich you won't remember, you know, because of mind control, you can join the Brewluminati and lift the veil on the true mysteries of the universe. Your membership to The Conclave unlocks access to our secret Discord server, bonus Patreon-only content, behind-the-scenes talks, and much more. Every dollar spent not only helps us reveal the truths of the world, but also frees us to make the show better, weirder, and allows us to go deeper and deeper into the void while funding our next beer run. When we're not talking conspiracies and beer, we're passionate about saving the forgotten puppies and kitties of the world. 10% of every dollar you donate goes directly to the Best Friend Pet Adoption Agency. They are a local 501c3 all-breed, all-foster, cat and dog rescue that will save the life of a pet who never had a chance. Keep an eye out because we'll be posting pictures of the lives our listeners save. For more information on best friend pet adoption, head over to bfpa.org. Join us again next week for another episode of Brew Luminati. We know you will because again, mind control is real.